I like to talk about Miramichi. I like to talk about sports. It's in my wheelhouse. We have hosted major midget Atlantics and then had our team ripped away from us thanks to Hockey New Brunswick. That still pisses me off. What I love about it is that you remember it one way, I remember it another, but we'll both remember it as The Run. Welcome to episode number nine of The Run. Thanks to LJ Patterson Sales. Check them out online, folks, at ljpattersonsales.com. New Brunswick's largest selection of trailers and the best deals await you at ljpattersonsales.com. My guest this time around is Sean McCarthy. We'll get to Sean in just a few minutes. A couple of housekeeping items, folks. First of all, thanks so much uh, for listening in. Thank you to Jerry Green and Kevin Bowes for joining me on episode number eight. Just a quick update on the New Brunswick Senior Baseball League here. As I record this, it is Monday, so the first two full weekends of the season are in the books. The St. John Alpines lead the way at 3-0. Fredericton is 1-1. Charlottetown is 2-2. Moncton is 0-1. And the Ironmen are 0-2. The Ironman came up short in Charlottetown, 7-4 and 4-3 in extra innings. Ruin Aranda Huskies, Jerry Green and I had a lengthy conversation about the Memorial Cup. That wrapped up last evening. Ruin Aranda down Halifax, 4-2. The Bruins and Blues kick off the Stanley Cup final tonight, which is Monday. And the Raptors and Golden State Warriors get underway Thursday and Sunday in uh, Toronto. Sean McCarthy, welcome. Nice to be here, Patty. Thanks for having me. And as a means of uh, introduction, Sean, where you and I first intersected, uh, we go way back to the year 2000-2001, the first year of the Miramichi Timberwolves, which was near and dear to your father Tim's heart, of course. Tim, uh, no stranger to uh, local hockey and softball fans and sporting fans in general. He was on the original uh, crew that uh, brought the uh, Miramichi Timberwolves and the Maritime Junior A Hockey League in those days. That's what it was called after the uh, great days of the Tim Hortons Leafs. Uh, And you're a younger guy, so 01. 2000, 2001, you're how old? So I would have been, uh, I would have been 15. And as I recall, Sean, you were kind of the, the man about uh, the merchandise table. Yeah, I was. So I worked with, uh, with Bill Young and I, I sold sweaters and ball caps and sometimes we sold a jacket or two, but they were kind of our high, uh, our high end items. So <laughs> that's it. And uh, your brother Thomas also had a toe in that water too. I remember him and he's a little bit younger than you. Yeah, two years. And I remember him being on the sticks and the pucks and the water and helping around the dressing room and on the bench. Yeah, he was a little bit more useful to the team generally than I was. But uh, but yeah, we, uh, we we both got involved. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the time that I had there. Yeah. I mean, you know... Uh, Bill used to joke that I didn't I didn't know what was going on until I until I could see the third period. So <laughs> I was kind of just away and selling things all the time. But uh, but yeah, you know it was it was fun. I got to go on a well because of my brother got to go on a lot of the road games. Yeah. and you know see a lot of a lot of the Maritimes that way, and that was a lot of fun too. Especially you know just as a young guy as I was. And your mother had the night off because all three are at the rink. Well, there you go. That's it. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So listen, uh, as far as the hockey, uh, and not necessarily what was happening on the ice, but do you recall how exciting it was at the time that uh, after the Leafs and now we're into the junior mode? You're, you remember any of that? Uh... Oh, for sure. I mean, I remember. I remember going just as a kid. I remember when we had the Moosehead Devils here. All and, right. You know, here we go. Yeah, and watching those games. Yeah, and then the Tim Horton Leafs too. I remember or those games a little bit better because again I was a little bit older and I got to we we go every Saturday and you know and my dad my dad would always stand up there with everybody else yep. at the railing and 
my brother and I to sit down and watch the game. Of late, uh, we've uh, run into each other a, a few times, of course, in your professional capacity. You are executive director of uh, Bow Bears Island. We'll talk about all things uh, Bow Bears Island in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, but you regaled me with a little factoid about uh, a field that used to be on Bow Bears Island and, and the whole story there in the old Miramichi Valley Baseball League and then subsequently the softball uh, hotbed that Nelson became. But we'll get to that in uh, just a few seconds. First, uh, Sean, as a means of uh, crawling before we walk here, tell us a little bit about uh, Bow Bears Island on, on the historical significance of it okay okay and i'll try to i'll try to limit myself and take your time and be a little bit because i'm we can probably do a show and a half I'm yeah absolutely <laughs> it, it is uh look at it for what it's worth folks for for folks who may be uh, uh being introduced to sean for the first time it is near and dear to you it's a passion project not only as your career but a passion project as well no question about it Patty, no right. question about it floor is yours uh so uh bow bears island 161 acres in the middle of the Miramichi River. It's got quite a long history dating back to uh, our First Nations, the indigenous people of the Miramichi, the Mi'kmaq, who knew it as Gu'omini'guk, or Island of the Pines, uh, use it as a meeting place for thousands of years. They were joined by the French in 1669 when they set up a trading post, uh, really just about where Curtis Corner is now, Mm -hmm. uh, and interacted with them and, and conducted a trade relationship for a number of years. In the 1750s and 1756, uh, somewhere between 800 and maybe about 1,500 refugee Acadians sought refuge on and around the island during the time of the deportation. Um, Unfortunately, many of them died of starvation and disease when the supplies they were supposed to receive from Quebec never arrived. Mm -hmm. They called it Comte d'Espérance, or the Camp of Hope, and they they began to refer to the island as l'île de Boisbert after their commander, Charles de Chambre de Boisbert. Uh, In the years that followed the deportation, British settlement began, uh, and the island from 1788 until 1866 produced a number of uh, tall ships, as we we know them today, that sailed really all over the world. We have records of them now uh, traveling to South America, to Australia, to Africa, although most of them did go uh, to Europe. And of course, uh, with the influx of more British settlers, among them, of course, uh, Scottish and Irish, they, with their accents and kind of misspellings and mispronunciations, transformed L'Ile de Boisbert into mm-hmm. Beaubert's Island. Mm-hmm. And that's how the name uh, kind of became. And so, as I say, uh, today the island is recognized twice as a National Historic Site, once for its involvement uh, with the deportation and once for being the last totally untouched, unexplored shipbuilding site left in New Brunswick today. All right, so let me play the foil and together we learn uh, the supplies that never arrived were they ever shipped or were they headed off or were they lost uh, mid-ship or what? They were never sent. They were uh, never in, sent. In, in many cases, uh, what happens was the the supplies were basically being sold on the black market mm-hmm. by unscrupulous officers elsewhere. <laughs> so that's it. I mean, it, it's, it happens a lot in war. I mean, even to this day with greed, it, you know, kind of, kind of comes in there and... Uh, that's it. I don't believe it was last summer, Sean. I think it was the summer before, but uh, my family took uh, your uh, pontoon boat over to the island uh, on a great historical tour and uh, met some uh, characters in period dress. Prior to that, I think my knowledge of Bow Bears Island would be slim and none, truth be told. So to uh, the folks listening in, and, and more specifically here locally and those who may be listening in from abroad that uh, the next time they're visiting would think, okay, let's uh, put that on our map. Uh, what would you say to him or her? And especially those locally, this is a significant spot and we should know the story. And you guys, uh, with full credit and respect and admiration, you tell it well. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, to anybody that's really interested, I mean, you can tell the story of the Miramichi, you can tell the story of New Brunswick. 
I mean, I, it, it's been said. I mean, you can really tell the story of our entire country uh, right there, you mm-hmm. know, uh, with the many different cultures and groups that have come along over those many years. So, uh, yeah, there's there, there's all kinds of opportunities there in terms of history, but the island is also a unique ecosystem. So it's a great uh, place, even if you're not necessarily as interested in history and more interested in ecology and nature. There are six kilometers of walking trails there, so you can go over and just enjoy yourselves. Uh, so, yeah, the, there's really points of contact for pretty much anybody as far as I'm concerned. And uh, perhaps an amateur question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, did you say 160 acres? 161, yeah. 161 acres. So uh, as the pontoon boat arrives and I get ready for my tour, what are we looking at there as far as acreage? Are, have, are, are we seeing a certain percentage of it? You're probably seeing, um, I'd say about 20% of the island. You're not really wow. seeing all that much. Um, there's so much more past there that we just, in, in two hours, don't have time to show you with right. all the historical interpretation that we're doing. Well, that said, have, have you uh, traversed it all? Oh, well, I mean, if not all of it, surely most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, in 2014, we started restoring uh, the trail network on the island. We mm-hmm. had all these old newspaper articles that talked about all the trails that were over there. So we worked with Parks Canada to help restore uh, them into into use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in 2016, we were able to launch a completely restored trail network. Uh, so again, now trails run right down to the middle of the island, along each side, and then cut across in between. And, and, and where do you get involved? Has history always been your thing? Well, uh, history, I guess so. I mean, I was really interested uh, in sciences going into university, but then wow. eventually got involved in Took a in left history. turn there. I did. I really <laughs> did. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and uh, yeah, and once <laughs> once they got me, I was like Michael Corleone. I tried to get out, but they kept pulling me back in. Uh, so yeah, and I eventually went on and I took my master's and I got my my uh, my doctorate as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really enjoyed uh I really enjoyed history and really enjoyed the history of Bow Bears Island. And then over time, really kind of began to understand, again, how that history on the island really kind of reflects the history of the, the general region. And then even in a more personal way, I mean, realize that my great-great-grandfather was right. born over there and, and and all of this as well. So, oh, is that so you can trace your family back to birth there? Yeah. And lived on? Yeah. Wow. Apparently, the story goes that if Dan McCarran, my great-great-grandfather, had lived over there for 10 more days, he would have been able to gain either part or the entirety of the island through squatter's rights. I'm not, I'm not a legal expert. I don't know no, how no. that works, but that's what they say. So what happened in 10 days? They biffed him off or he well, left on his own accord? Yeah, had he stayed on there another 10 days. I see what you're before saying. He, before he moved away. And is this on the McCarthy side of the family? It, it is. So yes. it'd be my, my dad's mother's mother's father. Say that again. I got to get my brain around that. Your dad's so, mother's mother's father. father. Yeah. Wow. My great great grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. When you visit the island and you do so often, or when you're left to your own devices and just going for a wander, we'll call it. Do you do you see it with new eyes every time? Do you find something else that piques your interest every time? Absolutely, Patty. Yeah. Absolutely. There's always. I mean, again. I understand it's only 161 acres, and that's a finite amount of space. But really, like I say, as it through the, through the changes of the seasons and the changes mm-hmm. of the years, I mean, there's always something new there and there's always something uh, to discover. And like I say, to really, even just to kind of lose yourself in, um, you know, when you take a moment of just kind of quiet contemplation, as you might say, uh, in the midst of those those pines that, again, are over 250 years yeah. old in some cases. Let's broach the subject of these tall ships and tell us some of these fascinating stories of what was built, how many you know that it's been built, and where they ended up. So, um, 
50 that we know of. However, the Great Miramichi Fire meant that some of those records may have been burned. Right. Uh, that and was what, 1825? Five. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And also we know, too, that... Uh, some of the, the Miramichi wasn't a port of registry until much later on. So a ship might have been built here and then registered, say, in St. John. Gotcha. Uh, so that, that's a possibility. But anyway, 50 that we know of. Uh, for instance, as far as stories go, uh, the Lovell, the first ship that we know was built on the island in 1797, was rigged out with 12 cannons, went over and fought in the wars against the French Revolution. Wow. So, uh, you know... Again, uh, he sold in, in, in Britain, so you're probably not having a whole lot of uh, Miramichi guys on board that ship. But right. I mean, think about a ship that built right here in the Miramichi, trade and fire with, you know, yeah. battleships. Fascinating. You know, it, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah fascinating. For sure. Um, we know the Beaufort Castle uh, that was built in 1827, faced down a terrible storm off the coast of Nigeria. 23 sailors uh, were drowned, including the captain. Only eight men survived. Uh, so that's a harrowing story right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, th- th- there's really all kinds of them. And th- just in the last year, we've really found out quite a few, uh, quite a few of them through a partnership with the British Newspaper Archives. All right. So what was it special about these ships? Was it uh, the quality of the craftsmanship or the quality of the lumber or a mix of both? Or Really, yeah. And, and that really kind of, the longer the shipyard was running, uh, the, the better the quality of the ships became. And that's not really surprising. Uh, John Harley, the last shipbuilder on the island, was building ships that were being insured by Lloyds of London for seven years when everybody else's were really being only insured for four. He was using the best materials. And I'll give you an example. In 18- so the longer you get insured, uh, the insurance people deemed you to be of higher quality. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I get you. So, so they'd, give you, they'd insure you for longer. Right. And you know th- that meant you could ask for, for more of a price. Uh, when you were selling. I'll give you an example. In 1838, this this gentleman, John Harley, who I'm speaking about, built a ship called the Fletta, which was still under sail and looking pretty good in 1906. So that's mm-hmm. 68 years that ship, that wooden sh- sailing ship lasted. Wow. Because uh, it was so well built. Wow. So... As we traverse via your pontoon boat to Bull Bears Island, are, are we near the shipyard there, or where is it located? The best you can we're, extrapolate. We're we're close. Yeah. Uh, so the shipyard would be uh, upriver, just a little bit more uh, on the Nelson side. On the Nelson side. Okay. Yeah. So almost, maybe not, almost opposite where the where where the mill used to be. Right. So, and have you found some odds and ends in, in that little treasure trove over the years? Absolutely. I yeah. mean, you can really, if you know where to look, you can still see the big grooves out of the earth where the ships were were built. Right. Yeah. Wow. The ways right down to the river. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. And listen, folks, for, for anyone who's hearing uh, this story for the first time, please, I, I would encourage you uh, to get on over to uh, Bull Bears Island, which leads me into my next question. As far as the summer of 2019, uh, when are you open and what kind of tours and what are your day hours and all that stuff? Go ahead. So uh, we're open right now, actually. The, the, Perfect. The, the museum's open uh, and we'll remain open until the 27th of September. Uh, now... Our ferry services begin the 24th of June and will continue right through till the end of the, of the season on the 27th of September. Uh, our hours at this time in the spring are from 10 to 4, Monday to Friday, mm-hmm. uh, 12 to 4 on Saturday, and we're closed on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we switch over in July to summer hours, we'll be open 10 to 6 uh, daily and 12 to 8 on Sunday. And it's a cheap economical uh, visit as well. Sure, absolutely. So you can go over. Uh, $5 will get you inside the building. Another 5 will get you onto the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, $15 gets you a tour with a guide. 
uh, 20, we do a, we do a two and a half hour canoe tour around the island mm-hmm. and 25 is the big tour with all the characters. I'll tell you a quick story here in 2017 we crossed paths at the most recent, uh, New Brunswick festival of tall ships on the Miramichi. Um, on, uh, the day the golden Liu sailed out, um, they put one of their crew members off. I shouldn't say they put her off. It was, it was shore leave time for her. She was going to reconnect with the ship at a, a port to be determined down the road. Um, so uh, that was kind of my job, Sean, to, to give uh, some background. The Golden Liu, which was uh, tied up here in Chatham, was kind of my little uh, babysitting job, if you'll allow, with uh, a crew of others who uh, helped me along. But anyways, long story short, um, I took her up to the enclosure. Ship sails out. I checked in on her the next morning to make sure everything was right. She was of uh, German descent, uh, to paint a picture here. And uh, the next morning, uh, she had called. I exchanged numbers with her. And she wanted to go on a tour of Bear's Island. And I thought, wow, this is fascinating. And uh, as best we could, there was a little bit of a communication block, of course, she being German, me being English. Um, but she had your brochure. She is a, a, a ship person and knew the story and wanted to go. And I'm thinking, wow. So here's a lady in Germany. And I'll point the spotlight and the finger right at myself here. And here I am literally within 10 kilometers of it. And she seemed... To know more about it. And I can say that to you with the utmost of honesty and sincerity, but it's also a shame at all all at the same time. And and I don't think I'm alone in that. No, absolutely not, Patty. Uh, I mean, before I started working there, I had no idea what was going on. I mean, when I started working there and for a number of years thereafter, I mean, the things that we found out in the last 10 or 15 years about the island are amazing. So I, again, it's 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 an ev- it's it's an evolving process, uh, for sure. I mean, uh, we're learning more about the island every year. So, uh, like I say, I guess if you want to uh, if you want to take the quick route to learning as much as you can about the island, you know, come now. Right. Uh, that's yeah. it. Sure. Paint a picture of uh, some of the locales you've uh, seen folks come from, from all over the place? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we, Which we, is fascinating in and of itself. Of course, of course. I mean, all across Canada, you know, uh, in the United States, we routinely get, pe- get people from, from Europe. We've had people from Asia and, you know, again, really from all over, Australia even, I, as, as I recall. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it's really great. And the fact that these people, you know, from all over everywhere seek us out. Right. It's really, you know, quite something and yeah. really quite flattering for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So there's your history lesson in uh, 20 minutes, folks. And uh, Sean piqued my curiosities a few weeks ago. We crossed paths here where we are recording this podcast, uh, which, by the way, is the run episode uh, number nine with Sean McCarthy, executive director of Bull Bears Island. Um, you just threw out there about a, a baseball field located on Bull Bears Island. I was like, hold her here now. Put the brakes on right there, Sean, and tell me all about this. And it's a fascinating story, folks, uh, which is why uh, Sean is here. Um, you know, this has a bit of a sports slant to it. And this is a fascinating story that very few know about. So, Sean, the floor is yours and uh, lay this one on. It's unbelievable. So the first year that I worked on, on Bow Bears Island in 2001, so yeah, so very close to the first time when you and I kind of met, mm-hmm. uh, I had a conversation with my grandfather. Now, my grandfather lived on the front street. I was born in 1912. In Nelson. In Nelson, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, on the front street in Nelson. And, I mean, Patty, really, I I wish I had written down all the things that we talked about that day, but we didn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, But I remember him telling me about the baseball field that used to be over on Bull Bears Island. Now, my dad had mentioned this a couple of times, but... My grandfather was telling me about all the Sunday the Sunday afternoon games mm-hmm. and the river just being black with boats, so many people going over there to see those games. And again, I mean, it was really kind of interesting. And so a couple of years ago, uh, I started to kind of look and see, okay, what can I find out about, you know, the team that played over there? Mm-hmm. So uh, I had a picture of the team, because apparently in 1918, they won the Provincial Senior Men's uh, Championship. Wow. 
these guys, uh, many of them worked at the local mills. And so what they would do is, uh, you know, when, when the shift was over, before the sun went down, they'd, they'd get over, try to get in a few innings of practice and scrimmage. And then on Sundays, they'd play their games. So let me jump in here. Doesn't it seem odd giving the... Well, it's not remote in the sense, but it was a hard spot to get to. It's remote. Let's call it what it is. Doesn't it seem odd that someone said, let's let's build the field there? Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like, if, if you and I concocted that scheme today, in, in lieu of putting, the say, the field in Nelson, people would go, McCarthy and Quinn have lost their marbles. Mm-hmm. And, and rightfully so. So the team has to get there by way of boat. The fans have to get there by way of boat. The visiting teams have to get there by way of boat. So can you imagine the... The coordination it must have taken to get a game on the go? Absolutely. It must have been incredible. Uh, I can only imagine that they chose uh, that because really Bo Bears Island had kind of gained a lot of uh, notoriety, I guess, in the years that followed the end of shipbuilding for being a great spot for picnics. And they had a lot of kind of large open spaces. Let, let me jump in there real quickly. At this time, people are living on Bo Bears Island. Well, um, at this time, people have just stopped living on Bow Bears okay. Island. Okay. So the last people that would have moved off, say, in the late 1890s. Okay. So we're within 20 years of the last, okay. you know, the last people living over there. Okay. But there's, so there's probably still houses over there. There's probably still some infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, picnics are kind of happening with some regularity. So maybe, and I would think that that's very possible when you look at the records, you know, baseball starts as something... Okay, we're doing it. We're having a picnic. We're having some food. Let's just have a baseball game. Yes, let's invite then, some competition. Yeah, that's it. And let's right. kind of, and then slowly kind of develops into okay, now we're competitive. Mm-hmm. Now we're able to, you know, to start to play other teams locally. Right. And, you know, let's, let's do this. As I know about Bull Bears Island right now, and as you know it very well, where was the ball field situated best you can extrapolate? So if you're familiar with the island, you remember the old, uh, playground used to be over yeah, there yeah so that's pretty much where we think it was okay so we th- we figure well, i figure i figure the home run fence must have been toward the river because you'd lose more you'd, you'd lose fewer home runs you'd lose fewer balls that way with home runs as opposed to fouls right yeah right geez that's interesting that's unbelievable so when you found uh, that picture mm-hmm. was there names attached to the said picture absolutely there were. And, and it's all the names that we still know around give or take yeah for sure for sure so you know uh you had the Everett Dolan was the pitcher for the Dolan, team. Sure, you know uh, Burke Coughlin was the catcher. Wow. Uh, Stan Richardson played outfield. Uh, so I think Billy English was on second base. Eddie Hanley was on was was on first. So again, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the names that we know. Absolutely, you know, it's like the modern day phone book right there. <laughs> for sure, for absolutely. sure, absolutely. That's it. So who are they playing? This is the Miramichi Valley Baseball League. Best we can piece together. Well, this is kind of a proto Miramichi Valley Baseball okay. League. Uh, so in 1918, it seems to be just a lot of. Uh, kind of informally organized games. Mm-hmm. So, Patty, I know you, and I know you know the Chatham team, so we'll figure out a time right. when we, we, we can have a game. Bring the boys. Uh, that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, it's it's a little bit formal. It's a little bit more formal than just a group of people meeting up because it is two teams, but it's not as formal as the league that eventually comes where you have managers kind of sitting down and go, okay, this is a schedule mm-hmm. well in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know, for instance, that in 1918, uh, one of the games that I found in the newspaper was a game between Nelson and Chatham. Wow. And Nelson won five to three. Uh, so again, I mean, and I mean, I shared this with you uh, a few weeks ago. Some of the 19th century games that were being played on and around the community, uh, you know, in the 19th century were huge offensive, you know, blowouts. You're right. talking, you know, scores of like 41 to 28. Right. You know, it's, we're not into a five, three nail biter here. That's it. Exactly. Right. But so, so by, 
1918, pitching has come a long way. Right. Because, I mean, you look at the, look at the, uh, the articles here, and they're talking about, you know, how well ever Dolan pitched in the game to keep the keep right. his club into it. Right. You know, and how So now we're starting to turn to where it's becoming a bit of a craft. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So uh so yeah, and you and you talk about uh you know Mills on the other side for Chatham, you know, after after uh four innings, you know, he's he's getting hit too much. They they pull him out, they they put Vino in uh, you know, to, right. And I mean, they uh, went to the bullpen. Yeah, they did. They did. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. And, uh, yeah. So, and we know that, uh, the Vinos must've been a, a pretty big ball team because, uh, ball family, pardon me, uh, because we, we've got, uh, three guys, all three brothers that are playing on, on the Chatham team, all, all Vinos. Uh, so, and like I say, you see a lot of the names again from Nelson, uh, that I mentioned earlier. So again, that that's really the only uh, that's the only that's one of the few games that I could find in 1918. But as I say, at the end of it, they say, "Okay, Nelson's going to play Newcastle mm-hmm. at a time of mutual convenience." So tell me this: is there a name, or is it just Nelson? A in nickname, the, I should say. Yeah, in the in the newspapers uh, at the time, they're just they're just talking Nelson. But when you see the the team itself in the in their championship photo, they've got the uniforms on and they're the Vicks. So the Vicks dates back all to that. I guess so. Yeah, that way, that far back. They, that's it. And the, and and the, and the the story behind that is. So the story behind that is that in 1800, when the HMS Victory, so Admiral Lord Horatio Nelson's ship, was being refitted in 1800. Wow. And the story goes, who's this? Is a huge battleship, famous battleship. Uh, the story goes that in 1800, as I say, it's being refitted, and the spars, so those are the cross pieces on the masts that hold the sails. It's being refitted at Bowbears. No, it's being refitted in, in England. Okay. But apparently, uh, the spars are coming from Bowbears. Oh, beautiful. So they're, I don't know if they're specially requested or what, but at this time, James Fraser owns the island, and he's, he's selling, you know, lumber or timber, I guess, to uh, the Royal Navy. So. And, and someone had the wherewithal. See, I find that fascinating because I, I love... I love a name that's of historic value, but the fact that someone had the wherewithal to call themselves the Vicks, short for victory, mm-hmm. the Vicks, you know, in your mind's eye, and especially you growing up in sure. Nelson, I mean, yeah. they were like the Toronto Blue Jays, New York Yankees to you. <laughs> Just the fact that it carried on, you know, as a history buff now must mean so much to you. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, to be able to, yeah, as I say, to take a story, you know, and trace it back to 1800. Right. That's that. Like I say, it's amazing, you know, to be able to talk about that. Do you think many people know where the name Vicks comes from? Probably not. I mean, when I was a kid and I played for the Vicks, we always thought it had something to do with the vapor rub. But <laughs> man, that stuff cured everything, it according did. to my grandmother. It did. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Look at the common cold or a rheumatoid arthritis; it cured everything. That's just fascinating, uh, unbelievable. So. Again, so I just crossed that bridge here. So I, I just referenced softball. When I think of Nelson, I think of softball. We're talking baseball on Bow Bears Island. How do we make that transition? So, uh, like you say, the Miramichi Valley Baseball League is set up in 1922. Uh, we join, Nelson does. Um, and we have, you know, we, we don't do too badly in 1922. We have some pretty good games. Uh, however, in 1924, we've, we bring in and we bring in a ringer, a pitcher, Briggs. He you know, does really well for us. Uh, we end up getting dangerously close to winning the league, mm-hmm. but, uh, we're one point back of Chatham and we tie a game to, uh, to, to Logieville mm-hmm. and we end up in second place. So back in the day they would end the game at a tie. And so anyway, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a frustrating time. Then in 1925, 
Apparently, Nelson quits the league. So this is all over a game with Chatham. So on the 29th of June, Chatham and Nelson play a game. 29th of June, what year? Uh, 1925. Okay. So they're playing a game. Nelson is up 8-5. to five, But it's getting dark out. So they call the game for it being too dark, and they said they're going to replay it later. Mm-hmm. So apparently, apparently they, won't, they won't end the game there, but they'll, they, they want to replay it at another time. Right. Replay it totally or pick it up from where they left off? Apparently replay it totally. Oh, I see where the controversy ensues here. So Nelson basically says no. Yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> we're, we're up by three runs. Right. We're not going to start all over again. Yes. <laughs> so that's it. Apparently the thing gets so heated that Nelson eventually just quits the league and goes home. See you later. Yeah, that's it. We're done. They're, yeah, and, they, and to the best, as far as I can see, I, I looked well into the 30s. They never come back. And, well, uh, of historical note, they won their last game in a roundabout way. Yeah, that's it. I guess so. I guess. <laughs> they went out high. <laughs> so they said, to hell with you guys and your baseball. Mm-hmm. We're going to go over to Nelson. And yeah. By the 1930s, basically kind of Nelson has gone from being kind of a singular uh, baseball territory to a multiple softball territory. So you go from, you know, a team... In Nelson, that's just a strictly baseball team. You've got a team in Nelson. You got a team in Nallanville. You got a team right. in Craigville. Craigville oh, sure. And they're they're kind of forming. It's not a formal league, but they're forming their own kind of right. their own kind of league. Uh, and so again, my dad wrote about this in Earl English's book on Nelson and his neighbors yep. about you know what what that league would have looked like, and everything was pretty much was very informal. You know, in Nallanville, I think third base was a big rock at the, the field there. So you never, you know, no matter what the coach said, you never slid into third. Right. It was rudimentary. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. So with, with the falling out after the Chatham game mm-hmm. and the game that was never replayed nor picked up, that's the end of... So far as I can that's see... That's the yeah. end of the field on Bo Bears Island. That's yeah, the end of the field on Bo Bears Island. Well, I, I think by this time, I think by this time, Nelson has its own field in Nelson by that time. And it's at the uh, same place where we know it is today, give or take? I'm not entirely sure. I don't yes. think so, but I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Uh, see... In 1920, uh, Jay Leonard O'Brien had bought Bo Bears Island, and Leonard O'Brien was much more protective mm-hmm. of the island than previous owners had been. Okay. So I, f- so he probably, you know, put closed the, the field yeah. there, so it meant there had to be a field. There's always one, eh? Well, I suppose. <laughs> now, it's clear when you read the newspapers um, that there's somebody in, I guess in 1922, there's some well-to-do Nelsoner who is financing the Nelson you know, uh, field, making sure that it's well kept up and right. it's, it's, it's being built back up and everything else. So I think, I don't know, but I think that's Percy Birchall because Percy Birchall eventually becomes the president of the league and donates, uh, a championship cup to the, to the winning team. So that's it. So that's probably what happens that, you know, the baseball field in Nelson kind of gets kept up that way through help from the Birchalls. But it's interesting that a falling out over a baseball game uh, I think you can make a direct parallel to the to the sudden growth of softball. Probably so. Yeah. I mean, there's a connection there for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. And then you grew up in, in your time. I mean, softball was was king in your household. Oh, Guar- absolutely, guaranteed. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> for sure it was. For sure it was. I spent most of my summers back at the ball field. Absolutely. And the name Vicks was, again, like mm-hmm. you're New York Yankees. You couldn't imagine you were seeing these guys. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
Nothing but good memories. Oh, for sure, for sure. Now, again, to qualify that, I did spend a lot of time in the woods behind the field just playing and horsing around. Oh, sure. You know? Yes. So I, you or know. with your $2 allowance at the canteen for or whatever. Sure. Oh, I, for sure, for sure. That's it. That's it. Dad, get me a pop. Dad, get me a hot dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the work they have put in over the years, and you know this way better than I am. Please talk about it. The, the work they put in and the fundraising they did and the oh, maintenance they did sure. in the field. and For sure. So, I mean, the Nelson Southball Association... I mean, starts really uh, 50 years ago in 1969. So, uh, you know, the, the, the triumphs that they've been able to achieve hosting, you know, multiple national championships here, you know, here in Nelson. In little you know, old Nelson. That's it. Absolutely. Teams from across the country coming here to play ball, you know. And, I mean, Dad always talks about that story, uh, you know, hosting the first nationals here in 1976. 76, as the year I was born. Wow. Yeah. And so in 75, November 75, they get the nod you know, ah. they've got a, you know, they're going to host the nationals. The softball Canada of the day yeah. said, you guys yeah. are in charge. That's it. That's okay. it. But I mean, dad says, you know, they, they don't have a field. They don't have anything that's up to, up to the standards of the day. And so, you know, can you imagine uh, what a Herculean effort it was, you know, in those few months to put together everything well, in order to be able to host in August. Well, look, at there's, there's a couple of things of note there that piqued my curiosity. So you're saying November 75. Yep. So now we have November, December, January, February, March, April, which is essentially winter. Uh, then May rolls around. They got to build a field. I'm assuming it's in mid to late August. Yeah. So that's it. So they, I, I, they, they, they've got a field, but they don't have they don't have lights. They don't have you know uh, backstops and fencing and all this. You know, they've got a couple of dugouts and a field where they play. So. Uh, you know, in order to build all of that, to you know, they're building stands and O'Brien's, you know, warehouse. Right. You know, they're, they're doing all this stuff. And again, it's, 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 it's a community effort. You know, they're buying, you know, lights, you know, individually and in groups and whatever. Right. So, you know, that's, it's, like I say, I think, you know, like the Beatles, I guess, they could buy a little help from their friends, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Jerry Green just uh, walked in. Uh, Sean McCarthy, uh, executive director of Bow Bears Island. Getting schooled here on all things Bow Bears Island, Jerry, and a uh, fascinating tale of a, a baseball field and the subsequent growth of uh, softball in Nelson. You have a baseball field on the island. Yeah, Absolutely. Sean, in 20 seconds or less. So that's bring, a real road trip. Yeah, bring, bring Jerry up to speed on that's that one. a boat trip. If you wouldn't mind. <laughs> exactly right, Jerry. So uh, we know that in 1918, uh, the Nelson baseball team won the Provincial Senior Men's uh, Championship in a game that was played on Bow Bears Island. Uh, so again, in 2001, when I started, uh, my grandfather used to tell me the stories about uh, everybody going over there for, for Sunday uh, Afternoon games, so and, and quite a bit of, bit of shuttling going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jerry, you have uh, we were just talking about uh, what we'll refer to as the modern era of softball. You have great memories of softball, uh, of course, uh, in Miramichi. Definitely, they, they they would come from Nelson and from and from uh, Logieville. Yes, and um, you know, not that long ago, Logieville uh, or the the uh, Chatham Wall of Fame inducted the girls, the oh, fireball, the fireballs, team right? That. Uh, that won many championships in, in their days in the 80s, I guess it would be. And then all the time, I remember going up to, you know, the Joe King and, and uh, watching and or participating in some way, shape or form in conducting a tournament because they're big on tournaments. Sure. And uh, oh, no, absolutely. And, and you know, that softball um, a tradition is kept alive. It's being kept alive. And I remember when my daughter was in, oh, it would have been middle school, and uh, they were trying to bring softball back in for the middle schoolers to play. Mm -hmm. And uh, that wasn't that long ago. That was probably uh, seven years ago, and I still think it's still being uh, developed uh, to uh, bring the young girls and boys uh, up to, to showing what a great sport it is. Absolutely. 
And I mean, speaking of uh, the work that's being done, you know, today, and I mean, with tournaments and such, I mean, they've got a tournament coming up just in a couple of weeks, uh, the, the, the 16th annual Robert Blackyear tournament that's going to be taking place uh, on the 8th and 9th of June. Uh, so again, 16 years, I mean, this tournament has come and we've got people from all around the province, yeah. you know, coming to Nelson again to, you know, to play softball. All right. So credit where credit is due in the year 2019, the local association is, is somewhat healthy. There's lots of kids uh, pursuing the sport. I believe so. I mean, I think, I, you know, there's kind of a core group of members that are kind of uh, keeping it going. But again, I mean, they've got a learn to play program for, for young, young kids. And then, uh, you know, they're, it, I think it waxes and wanes, you know, uh, year to year. But I think they've got a pretty, you know, a fairly strong program. Uh, like I say, there's probably others that can probably comment on that better than I can. But my sense of it is. And when you, when you hear Nelson uh, in reference to softball, what is what is the team nickname you think of? Say the Vicks, please. Well, no, I wasn't going with that. What were you going with? Ah, probably some beer name. Yeah, probably absolutely. Schooners. Well, uh, Budweiser was very Budweiser was very Labatt was big in the eighties. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. see now I can remember Tim bringing in the the I remember the big day uh, the Budweiser big rig rolled into town. Yeah. There was a an outdoor uh, hullabaloo, if you will. Yeah, we'd make money like mad for our be- no, for our ball be- teams afterward. We'd be picking up cans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So you kids would go do the <laughs> yeah, cleanup that's job. That's it. Exactly. Five yeah. cents a can. Yeah, you're in business for sure. For sure. Wow. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the '80s, where the the beer uh, folks or the beer, beer the breweries were were big into sponsoring, and uh, many event I went up and uh, top of that hill and stayed till the wee hours and had a good time. So um, that was uh, the, the '80s. Well, I think it was before the '80s, but in the '80s, I remember late '80s was was uh, certainly a great time to be had at Nelson for softball. And as we talk softball, um, and Sean and I are a little bit younger than you, but <laughs> is it Henniger or Cox or, or both? Uh, I remember a big fireballer coming in. Well, I remember Cox more Cox, than Henniger. Okay. Was it Frankie Cox or Frank Cox? Frank Cox. Right. Yes. Yeah, he was... Uh, I have Henniger in my head for some reason. I don't know where that name comes from. But anyways, go ahead. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Well, then after that, it was Rolly Gotro that was really the one then. And Rolly was kind of a hired gun anyways. He was from Moncton, but uh, played up here in Miramichi for... Uh, uh, for some teams, because again, it was senior ball, and you and you hire you, you know you hired the guy that was the the hottest in the province, and Roley was, and he could pitch two games in one day. It didn't bother him, and, <laughs> you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He was ready to go again. Uh, Sean, anything else we uh, uh, skipped over here with uh, respect to uh, Bo Bears Island? You have a few notes here in front of you. I don't want to. Oh no, no, no! Don't no, want to leave anything on the table no, here. No stone unturned. No, like I say, uh, you know, we're as far as the island goes. Like I say, and we're planning for a big season uh, again this year. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, we've done quite well, you know, the last number of years, I mean, 17,470, you know, visitors last year. So that was, you know, quite something for us. 17 and a half thousand people. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. And is that a, is that a high? That that is a high. Uh, I mean, with with the Canada 150 and in, in uh, 217, things were a little bit bigger. But yeah, you would have expected us. Yeah, spike, for right? sure, for sure. All right, That's let's uh, let's before we let you go, uh, I'm looking at your shirt here. You you're in full regalia here. Nelson Sandbaggers, give us a story on that uh, so, outfit. So and the Nelson Sandbaggers was not a team that I ever played for. I I played for for a few years. I was not very good. I'm your, not, your brother was, was a dandy, as I recall. Oh, my, 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 if there if there was uh, a division of softball talent in my family, I mean it was completely unequal <laughs> my brother got it all you okay. know well my That's definition it. of a sandbagger doesn't relate to softball though okay well no. we use the term sandbagging in golf yeah where someone um enters their bad scores to keep their handicap up but then when it comes to tournament time 
they're a better player than their handicap would indicate. We call that a sandbag. So if you're that guy and McCarthy and I are on your threesome or foursome, we go all green. We got to watch out for him. He's a sandbagger. That's right. an acceptable I'm a term. Sandbagger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This team was a team in the Robert Blackie tournament. So every year, uh, Joey Daly puts a team in ah. uh, of kind of neighbors. There's of Robert Blackie. So Robert Blackie unfortunately passed away in 2004. Right. Uh, and they've they've held it uh, every year in, in his honor. They've held a tournament. So you and get so, all of that, and they're keeping it going. Yeah, absolutely. So for a number of years. Joey Daly would would organize a team, uh, kind of a feel good team, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, softball players, you know, from the community and who knew Robert and grew up with Robert, and you know they'd they put a team in. And one year it was the Nelson Sandbaggers, and then I, I I don't know how we ended up with a bunch of jerseys at the house, and you know <laughs> mom got tired looking at them, so you know I ended up with one of them. Yeah, yeah. perfect. All right, well, uh, Sean McCarthy, executive director, that was a fascinating 45-minute uh, little uh, historical tour through Bob Bears Island uh, and baseball and softball. Unbelievable. Well, Jerry's just here. Real quickly, for Jerry, enlighten him, the Nelson Vicks. Listen to where this name comes from. Go ahead, Sean. So the Nelson Vicks uh, comes from the HMS Victory. So it's a battleship in the, in the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, in 1800, it was refitted in England, but the spars uh, came from Bob Bears Island. So the story goes. Yes, ma'am. Wow. That is deep. All right, final plug here. Get her in for Bo Bears Island. You're open now for the season. Come one, we come are. all. Absolutely, 100%. You know, uh, like I say, come and see us. We've, we've got really we've got thousands of years of history, uh, you know, for you. And we're, we're more than happy uh, to, uh, to uh, see you come and visit us. And it would be remiss if I didn't ask you um, anything. You are an awful man with a pen and uh, love to write uh, plays. Is there anything in the, uh, in the hopper coming up? There might be, yeah. There's a, I've got a few projects on the boil, so... Uh, I won't say any more than that because I don't want to. I don't want to put myself into a corner. Sort of but pressure uh, to put a writer on. <laughs> put but a writer but yeah. Pressure. But definitely, there's a lot of projects that I'm the, that I'm looking at, and uh, you know, uh, we're hoping to do maybe something uh, in terms of a theater production this summer. But uh, we'll see how it turns out. All right, Sean McCarthy, executive director of Bow Bears Island. Uh, one final thing: we should get your website out there, Facebook, and all that stuff. Sure, sure. So we're on Facebook under Il Bow Bears Island. Uh, our website, uh, bowbearsisland.com. Uh, and if you if you need any more information, uh, feel free to contact us at info at bowbearsisland.ca. And I got to ask because we broached the subject and it was fascinating. Uh, can is the story of of the the baseball being told over there at present? Actually, it is. Uh, we just got a a loan uh, of, oh an, of an item. Uh, oh, this is the glove. Yeah, we've got, we've got two gloves over there from the team. We've also got uh, it was a framed photo of of the team with with a mascot. So Everett Dolan, you you heard me mention him, the pitcher. Unfortunately, in 1927, he drowned in the Miramichi River oh my. trying to save uh, a drowning man. Wow. Unfortunately, the both of them passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the team bought uh, a mass at the at St. Patrick's Church. Mm-hmm. So we have the mass card uh, at. At our site as well. So you have so, ball glove and mask art. Yeah, and a, wow. and a framed picture of the team. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, check it out, uh, folks. And Sean, I feel like we're going to do this again at some point. I certainly hope so. All right. Thanks for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, Jerry Green, on the outset here, before I brought uh, Sean on, I gave a quick little once over here. Uh, I think we'll check a, a few boxes here. Um, I, I gave a little plug to uh, the New Brunswick Senior Baseball League. St. John Alpines are off to a 3 0 start. Fredericton 1 1, Charlottetown 2 2. Uh, Moncton 0 1, the Ironman on the short side of a doubleheader in Charlottetown 0 2. Uh, their first home game is uh, June 6th. Real quickly, uh, it's early, so let's not push any panic buttons here. Oh, just from what uh, what you see initially, a, a little surprised they didn't get a split. And again, 
I'm thinking Charlottetown doesn't come back into the league unless they're prepared to play, and I think they are prepared to play. They had uh, the week before that they played two in St. John and lost two low-scoring uh, games to the Alpines. Who've got some uh, great pitching. What I'm encouraged by is uh, all reports. Uh, Robert Gallant seems to be off and running, yep. and and uh, Watkins hitting the ball as well. And there was a number of players that hit the ball very well. And in the second game, things settled in a little bit more with uh, with uh, Courtney taking the mound and and uh, Walls coming in a relief, and they lose that one in extra innings. But again, as we've talked about many times, it's early in the season, and it's going to be a very competitive league. So you take the uh, bumps when you take them, and you take the highs when you take them. All right, the home opener is coming up on uh, June 6th, uh, folks. Uh, Sean is our uh, resident historian here around the roundtable tonight. Uh, Sean, you'll appreciate this. June 6th, of course, marking the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Uh, the Chatham Senior Iron will take time to uh, do that in conjunction with a wonderful project being uh, put together by some students at uh, James M. Hill. And uh, how can you not uh, but take uh, some pause for reflection on uh, June 6th, uh, certainly. There was also... Um News that, of course, the Ironmen were supposed to play another game before they were supposed to have their home opener. Right. Now, there's going to be this big gap from Sunday or or Saturday when they played, which was, uh, what, the 24th? Yep. And not going to play till June 6th because their Friday night game that was supposed to be in Fredericton this Friday, which would be the 31st, uh, isn't... Because uh, Royal the, the field's field, not ready. Something going on with the field. It's not ready. And so that's Jeez. a big gap between a couple of uh, live action games and your next one, which would be on home home field. Hard winner has wreaked havoc at Royals Field, evidently. Well, if that is, are, are they doing what the... Aren't the Ironmen doing some oh, uh, repairs, too? Oh, Maybe yes. The, Ironmen, the Royals are uh, doing some I, I would assume there's some spring maintenance yeah. and it just hasn't yeah. had time to cure. Or so that, or, that's, that's tough after playing a couple games on the road. To then to sit that long before you play your home opener. All right, onward and upward. Memorial Cup wrapped up last night. We are recording this on a Monday. Rue and Aranda uh, down to Halifax in their home shed. You picked the score. I did you pick picked- the score. <laughs> well, I can't believe, again, I'm all about geography. Um, you as a Monk and Wildcats guy can't like Halifax Moosehead, so you were going. No, it's not that I can't like the Halifax Moosehead. Well, then it's that you don't like them. Uh, yes, maybe that's it. Um, there's just something, okay? And I certainly like the... Well, look at Hatfields like, and McCoys between Monk and Halifax. I get it. I totally get it. I'm, right. I'm, 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 not, I'm only And I like and respect here. what Runaranda did all season. If you And you probably don't even remember, Patty, but they, they set a record of a 25-game winning do. streak during the regular season. They had 59. They won 59 of 68 games. They were number one in the CHL for many weeks. You know what blew my mind last night is, uh, I think, uh, just as the third period was... Uh, coming to a wind down, and it was in hand for Ruin Aranda. One of the broadcasters, maybe Broadhead, maybe Cosentino, made reference to the fact that it was Dobson's 90th game in the last calendar year dating back yeah, to... Yeah, they showed the schedule that he had for each month. 90 games? Since, each month since the last Memorial Cup. Crazy. Including World Juniors, uh, NHL camps, going to the draft... All those things, and then going to the junior camps, and then coming back and playing regular, and then you know the whole thing, and a long again another long playoff season. But uh, the thing that stood out for me in the game itself is uh, I, I thought Halifax might have had their. I thought okay, Halifax got it going on here tonight. They got a two nothing lead, uh, but as soon as that third period hit. And uh, I felt it seemed Runaranda must have been in better condition and better shape than um, any of the teams at the tournament, let alone the Halifax Mooseheads, because they never let up in that third period. You know how I hate 
this Katie by the door, this prevent defense. You know, you get the lead and then you sit back and wait to hold on to it. I hate that. They didn't do that. Once they got the go-ahead goal, they kept going for for more and more and more. And they showed a stat, and it it escapes me at this point. This is how obvious it was for Runaranda during the regular season. They showed a stat on the broadcast of what Runaranda's record was um, uh, or scoring was in the third period and thus their record through the regular season and into the Memorial Cup. They didn't allow too many goals in the third period, and they scored a bunch in the third period. It was their stronger period, strongest period. So you have to think it's about conditioning, and I never have always been the fan of a man or coach who really works his team and have them in great shape. As we record this, folks, it is Monday evening, Bruins and Blues. Stanley Cup Finals gets underway tonight. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Do you have a prediction? I have a prediction. Again, it's who I like or dislike. Right. And again, it's a it's a remake or a rematch, I guess, of 1970. Here we go. It's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I just wish both of them to wear the jerseys they wore then. The Boston had the striping along yeah. the top, and they don't have that anymore. But anyways, I'm going to take Boston, and I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Boston in five. Larry McDonald approves. Well, I like Boston. I've liked what they've done in the playoffs. I think the East was tougher than the West. And I just think that uh, Boston's ready, and I think they've got the goaltender that's not going to get allow anything weak. And not to say that St. Louis had some favors along the way. They had some bad breaks along the way, too. But I think Boston's ready. We're going to bring Sean back in here in just a few seconds. Bear with us, Sean. Raptors, Thursday and Sunday in Toronto, Golden State Warriors. On paper, it looks as though the odds makers are saying Golden State, but please tell me. And you and I draw the line on geography, but... Tell me you're going Raptors on this one. Oh, come on. Please. I mean, am I a Canadian? Thank you. Uh, okay, and then, but there's no Canadians on the Raptors team, so does that mean I'm crazy? Not like, at I all. heard somebody say to me today, did you know there's only four Canadians on the Bruins team? I, I don't said, care. I don't care. I don't care either. The two best ones are Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care that St. Louis has 15 Canadians. Right. That's a Don Cherry type of thing, but um, having said that, it, you know, we haven't talked since... You know, the Raptors won game six. They had a shot I know. to go to the finals. And this is still having sunk in, really, that they're going to be in the finals against, you know, the bright and glowing star that is the two-time defending champ, you know, Golden State Warriors. It's going to be quite a thing for the Canadian people to be in a final in a predominantly, well, a dominated American-based uh, 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 league that they're going to be in the final and host game one and game two, yeah. which is unbelievable. But in game six, it was, it was, it, I was just a game you could not stop watching and how the ebb and flow of basketball is one second you can be up 14, the next second you can have a 10-point 10, 10 run and only be down four, and all of a sudden now you've got the lead, and now the other team's trying to catch you. It was very exciting, and I was, it, the other thing that I liked about the whole thing Afterwards, the city of Toronto gets to go to the NBA final, doesn't rip the city apart. Which means, what I mean by that, doesn't cause trouble, doesn't cause damage, nobody got arrested, all that stuff. Uh, fascinating uh, Twitter thread here. I'll share it with you uh, momentarily. Uh, you a Twitter guy, McCarthy? 
Oh, I've been known to tweet a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says here uh, from this gentleman, with the rappers about to hit the global stage, I'm going to share a story about what makes Toronto and Canada so special. It's about a guy you're going to be seeing a whole lot of, and it's this super fan guy. And once I show you his... Uh, no, I know him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you know I've seen I mean. him for sure. Fascinating story. On the road and on at home. He's on the road games too. Fascinating story about how that was kind of his introduction into Canada was via the Raptors and what a... Very good read. What a multicultural city Toronto is, you'll see. And the guy makes a point of saying, you know, Korean folks eating poutine while watching the Raptors at the Scotiabank Centre. And it's just this that, that Toronto and Canada subsequently on the, on, on the bigger scale is just this melting pot of cultures. And basketball has been the common thread between all these cultures. And it's, I don't want to get too uh, philosophic about it, but it's just it's a fascinating it read is. if you have the time uh, to do so. Now, here's where we're going to... So run. were you watching Game 6? Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. My young lad is uh, is uh, basketball crazy, and I, by association, have uh, fallen back into it. Uh, I, I have always kept an eye on basketball. Um I'm not a bandwagon jumper here. I've had that thrown at me here. Well, you're just uh, uh, on the Raptors bandwagon. I disagree with that because I do keep an eye on basketball, and I I find it distinctly and decidedly un-Canadian. Unless you're a diehard basketball guy who has his or her own team, um, it's decidedly un-Canadian to not pick Raptors in in this one, in my humble opinion. Well, okay, you always ask him in my opinion. Hang hang on. If you're a gambler, the, uh, the odds are saying otherwise, but go ahead. You always ask him in my opinion. You're not giving me yours in regards to... The impact of them against Golden State. The I only know. thing that would be, well, I don't. I would never want them to play LeBron again because LeBron just doesn't seem to, and the Raptors don't get along too well. Right. In regards, LeBron wins every time they play the Raptors, so um, I'm kind of excited to see them play the defending champ. Yeah, and the whole Curry sideline is, yes. is is intriguing in of itself as well. Oh, it is absolutely. Yeah, and and, and you know, it just uh, I watched the the team all season long. And they always had this load management, and that's the term that's being used now because God Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard made it a, you know, a, a, a term, right? Uh, this load management. Well, I can't. I, I must tell you, at this point in time, the way he's playing in the playoffs, I, I think it was well done. Of course, he was coming off a year of injury, and so they wanted not to overwork him in the regular season. So thus did this load management. I think that's part of it. But now you see him in the playoffs, and how much of a if he's well, if he's going, he in in many cases when he's going, they win. Right. But there was a couple of games in this last series where the bench and everybody else contributed, and he didn't have to carry the whole load, which was nice. But I see how this load management has has paid some dividends for them going into the play into the playoffs now into the last round. I'll go Raptors six. You? Uh, they've got uh, Golden State has so many weapons, but the fact that the the Raptors get to start at home, right. I think is going to be the edge, and we'll have the home uh, court advantage. And uh, look at I would, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna certainly uh, predict Golden State because I think it's time for them to go. And the fact that Durant is not playing in the first couple of games gets you that jump, and then maybe possibly get a. I don't know if it's going two three two or not. It might be because of the I geography. I think you're right. Um, get some sort of win down there and come back. 3-2 in two games in Toronto, that would be great. So what are you saying, Raptors? I'm going to say Raptors in six. All right, McCarthy, you uh, want to weigh in here? Raptors in what? 
Sure. I mean, you're both saying six. You seem to know a hell of a lot more about it than I do. So, or seven. That's it, yeah. Either way, we're going yeah. Raptors. We can't. Love as they win. <laughs> all right, another little passion here of all three of us here. And, Jerry, I'm going to spark a little fire in your belly here because when we go down the road, uh, we go down it hard. Uh, Sean, you're a, a, an old-school, uh, diehard wrestling fan here. Uh, and so are Green and I. We love a good wrestling card. And I don't think I'm outing oh, us no, there. Oh, you're not. All right, so you're, again, you're in your mid-30s. Yep. So you're on the tail end of the Hulk Hogan era, and you're into the what? The Undertaker is. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, I've I've gone back. I mean, I. Oh, so you've you've gone down the the rabbit hole. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, for sure, for sure. So I mean, history you know, buff that you are. Do you have a course. great? Do you have a great memory of World Heavyweight Champions and Intercontinental Champions and everything? Oh, for sure. I mean, the first match I ever saw was uh, Teddy Biassi and the Ultimate Warrior in Saturday Night's Main Event. You know, <laughs> uh, that's it. Oh, it was great. I mean, Randy Savage runs in in the middle of it, hits him over the head with the scepter, spins the scepter in midair. Catches it and hits him again. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's you know, that's it. And to think that that was you know that'll be what that'll be thirty years ago. Yeah. Next year. I mean, you know, that's it. But yeah, I mean, I, I took a long time and went back through the eighties, like so back through the Bob Backlund, Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales, all of that. You know, period. Uh, you know, I've. I mean, even in, and then down into, you know, the territories and, and all of that there uh, as well. So you've gone down, <clears throat> please tell us, uh, the Atlanta Grand Prix wrestling rabbit hole as well. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yes. I mean, obviously, there's not there's less film footage of that that I can lay my hands on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've uh, followed so, that to a certain degree as well. And well, if, you, if you had a, a favorite, if you could have dinner with one of your all-time favorite wrestlers tonight, who would that be? Well, anyway... Um, I'll, I'll, what kind of questions that? Well, it's a fair question because he's a diehard. Okay, I'm going Undertaker. If I'm going to break bread with someone. It's going to be the Undertaker all fair day enough. long. Fair enough, all day long. I'd probably have to go with Randy Savage. And I mean, if I was going to do like the deep cuts, I'd probably say something like somebody like Special Delivery Jones or something like that. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the <laughs> now. As you said, I'm a little bit older, um, and didn't grow up in Atlantic Canada, right? So out west, we had what we call AWA, the American Wrestling Association. Sure, Vern Gagne. S- Vern Gagne, <laughs> Nick Bockwinkel. Of course. The Crusher, Mad Dog Vachon. And you, you know all these yeah. guys? Oh, yeah, but- absolutely. Butcher yeah. Vachon, yeah. his bigger brother. That's it, that's it. Pepper Gomez. <laughs> there was uh, Hercules. There was all those kind of things. But it was Bockwinkel and Gagne. Uh, Gagne. And, and, of course, uh, Bobby Heenan was... Nick Bockwinkel's manager. Of course. Now, let me jump in here for Sean's benefit. Jerry's formative years are in Winnipeg. So these guys are barnstorming arenas. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, the the whole Midwest. AWA was more Midwest than Mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. And did AWA and Atlantic Grand Prix ever meet somewhere in the middle and go for a real uh, brouhaha? Not that I'm aware of. I don't think so, no. I I think Vern was kind of very protective of his territory and, you know. Yes. uh, And kind of took it pretty seriously. I know at one point he and Mid-South were going to meet up. Uh, and basically he told Bill Watts, who was running, you know, Cowboy Bill Watts, who was running Mid-South, that they'd shoot him for the territory. Like, they, they would actually wrestle for real, and whoever won would get both, you know. But anyway, that was, obviously that didn't happen. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, AWA was, was great. Oh, I mean, that's, geez, that's yes. where, you know, that's where Hulkamania started, right? Yes, you know? I mean, actually, you're, yes, you're absolutely yeah. right. You're yeah. absolutely so right. So Hulk Hogan got to start in the AWA is what you're they, saying? Well, here? again, I think it was, uh, I, I think it was Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the one who first, uh, you know, unveiled uh, the Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, yes. Classy Freddie Blassie. 
Yes, that's yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He had a manager. I knew there was a manager involved, and somebody debuted him, yeah. All right, so when uh, Tim threw uh, half a Nelson into the car and took you down to the Moncton Coliseum, do you remember the first live oh, card you yeah, saw? yeah, absolutely. All right. I mean, I remember uh, vividly Randy Savage and The Undertaker fighting, and of course, you know, oh, the Ultimate man. Warrior was supposed to be there. You saw The Undertaker live? I did see The Undertaker. I saw The Undertaker live twice, maybe oh, three times. Frick. Um but yeah, so jealous. Oh, I mean, it was. It, I mean, well, I, I was only what five or six at the time, so yeah. we'd. I, I'd routinely, my brother and I, we'd fall asleep in the middle of the car and we'd have to leave early. But you know, right. but I remember that. I remember the Ultimate Warrior was supposed to be there, and the Ultimate Warrior wasn't there. Now, of course, the Ultimate Warrior had just been had just held Vince McMahon up for money uh, at SummerSlam '91 and was fired. Uh, so that's why he wasn't there. I didn't know that at the time. And so Randy Savage came out of retirement because he'd been retired by the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania Seven. Uh, <laughs> He came out of retirement and fought The Undertaker. And, I mean, I don't remember... I remember it differently than it actually happened, I guess. I look look back and now The Undertaker won that match. uh, Won it by countout. But I remember when I was a kid thinking that Randy Savage had won. I can only assume that probably after the match was over, Randy Savage hit a double axe handle off the top rope or something and (laughs) drove The the Undertaker out. Uh, You know, but I I remember thinking when I was a kid, like, I'd never seen The Undertaker get beat before. And here Randy Savage had just done it. And I remember, like I say, I remember to this day, um, there's, there's, because they went around the loop. And obviously, I mean, it was the same show everywhere they went. Mm-hmm. So somewhere out there, there is video footage of that of that match, but it's not in Moncton. It's somewhere else. And I can remember Randy Savage in the candy stripe, you know, uh, tights and everything else. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I remember the mount he'd be in there, Jacques Rougeau. You know, I, I, he'd, he'd be going with the cattle prod at that time. So I was afraid he was going to come up and, you know, shock <laughs> us. That didn't happen. But. I, have, I, I have a feeling you've already watched some of this, and, and maybe you as well. I'm outing myself here. I've only ever seen the trailers, but there's new series that's out uh, where they go back. Have you watched any of this? I, I watched a few of them. They're, they're really, really well, good. Who the, goes the, back? The trailer is fast. Well, the trailer I saw has uh, Jake the Snake uh, talking about meeting Randy the Macho Man Savage. and um, Wait, Documentaries? Yeah, it's a series of Viceland documentaries yeah, on, it, on different, oh. you know. So yeah, ones but on, who's carrying it? I don't know Somebody's that. Somebody's producing them and carrying them, isn't there? Oh, okay. It, I think there are. I, I don't know if there are. Are they on television? I've only ever seen them online. Well, okay, very oh, okay. good. You know more than I. Right. But, yeah. But the, the, the trailer I've seen is the the whole story. And, and fill in my holes here, Sean. Please, uh, is where um, uh, Jake the Snake lets the snake bite him. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to prove a point to yeah. Macho Man. Yeah. Right. So uh, that was ninety one. The end of ninety one, where the Cobra bites Randy Savage. Right. And Randy was afraid that you know Randy. Uh, Jake Roberts was going to kill him, mm-hmm. you know, that he didn't trust that the snake had been, you know, doctored in some way. Right. So, yeah, so Jake had to let the, let the snake bite him first. And, and, uh, and, and on the trailer I saw, Jake the Snake does an almost a bang on um, impersonation of Randy the Macho Man. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So he's going Macho Man, I'm going Undertaker. If you could break bread tonight with uh, one well, of your favorites. Night. Come what? on. One of my favorites. Well, of course, I enjoyed the 90s, of which... Uh, Everybody was a character in the '90s, and everybody was a was a stage stealer, or a show stealer, or a show stopper, whatever you want to call it. They were all so good. All the characters are so well developed, and it was so much fun. The wrestling was just as much fun as the interaction between the be, between them. And now he's a big movie star. I mean, I'd love to sit down with The Rock, but you know, him or Stone Cold is where I'm sitting. That's that's the the area era that I enjoyed and and how how they those two guys were so entertaining well with, and the involvement of the fans right. with them too and their followings and anyways it was that was just the prime time 
for wrestling in the 90s. I said that to Sean the other day in preparation for our little uh, get-together here on this Monday evening. Um, I've always appreciated Maybe it's an extension of um, what I do for a living. Maybe it's because uh, you had a son who was into it at the time. But I've always appreciated, still to this day at the age of 43, not one bit shy about it. I've always appreciated that when the lights go down, they put on a show in the truest sense of the word. It, it's it's well lit. It's loud. Uh, there's some attitude and some swagger. And if Jerry's having a bad day, well, McCarthy will pick him up. And if McCarthy's having a bad day, Quinn will pick him up. And just this, what am I trying to say here? That the show must go on. That that attitude, that no, you know, you could be. And, and now you see them doing two a day. Sometimes they're in Moncton in the afternoon, St. John in the evening. And, and that ain't easy. But I've always appreciated the, the, the show, the showmanship of it all. And the pomp and circumstance, if that should be the term. It, it's It still continues to fascinate me. Still to this day. Are you a SmackDown or a Raw guy? Um, I'm a primetime wrestling guy from, you know, back in, you know, oh, okay. back in the 80s. Bobby and Gorilla, you know, running the, I mean, it's spectacular, yeah. But modern day. Modern you, day. Um, I'm, I'm a SmackDown a, guy. Oh, I'd probably go NXT, you know. Really? I, I really like what they're doing down there for sure. Wow. Yeah. And is it something you've ever in your thought of pursuing maybe to get involved uh oh, maybe when i was little but not so much anymore no i mean i i last last june uh, my good friend uh isaac malley known today of course as buff, buff malley yes who runs uh nwe right uh had me in as the ring announcer uh oh, in uh come on in, in june of last year yeah it was a lot of fun it was did a lot you of turn fun. her up a notch yo absolutely absolutely did, but of course they did uh, they give you a name no, I was just the ring announcer, and they told me. <laughs> are, you, are you ring announcer? Are you Sean McCarthy, or what are you? Oh my, they didn't really announce. They, they didn't announce me. I just, you know, I just, uh, and they yeah. also told me don't stand too close to the wrestlers because I'm too big. <laughs> <laughs> like the Bull Bears Island Brawler or something. Come on, the Brute of Bonnie Bull Bears, you know, <laughs> the Pine Island Powerhouse. So is that? <laughs> Is, is that a one-off or is that something you're going to do? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, the, the, the regular guy was sick, so I, 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 I just kind of subbed in for the night. So it was hey, a lot of fun. A handful of years ago, uh, well, uh, within the last five, I, I got to do uh, that one of the Civic Center uh, with uh, Axe and uh, Smash. You did wrestling? You were the ring announcer? I was, just for that uh, match. And again... When you walk between the, or you don't walk, when you slide between those ropes and you <laughs> you feel the mat underneath you, man, oh man, the juices get going. And I gave her the the best, uh, as good a punch as I could, I suppose. Uh, I, I, you know what? It's it's not a regret. I'd be it'd be rude to say that, but I would like a redo on it. I, I'd like to know what I know now uh, on that particular night for sure. Because I don't know that I was. Uh, I don't want to say I wasn't prepared, but I don't think I gave her my my all. I think. Pride got in the way, and I didn't. I held back a bit. So, you know, let's not get ready to rumble. You didn't do one of those. No, but again, hindsight being what it is, as they say, I, I w- again, I would like a redo. I, I would like a redo on that. And, and and you, I mean, it's a thrill to do that. Oh, absolutely. Where where's that car? Logieville or where? Yeah, Logieville. Yeah. Logieville. Yeah. All right, yeah. come on, That's you're the it. man. Yeah. But in the '90s, that that whole uh, marketing of Raw is War is was the best time. I mean, it, we. I remember, and, and Hoppy Dunn used to say this all the time, it's like a grown man's cartoon is what it is. Sure. No Wrestling question. was, especially in the 90s, uh, with so many characters, and and uh, and uh, no no territory was, was uh, untouchable. You could go anywhere with anything in regards to where we are socially now. Sure. 
they did everything and anything. They had pimps. They had pimps that were right. were wrestlers. Right. They came in with their with their whip. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. Big Daddy or whatever his name was. I don't remember what his name was. But they they stretched. They stretched it you to a max. His name, don't you? The Godfather. The Godfather. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know what I, uh, I've always appreciated about it too is that, uh, and I don't want to say all because that would be wrong, but most young boys and girls go through that phase, and it just keeps going in perpetuity. I think there'll always be. A market for a good wrestling card. I'm sorry. I I think there will be. And I think, Jared, your point, I mean, the 90s was a great time, I think, a lot because of the the competition that was going on between organizations. And I think, you know, personally, uh, at this time, where WWF has kind of been its own thing for so long and just kind of stood you know, over top of everything with new organizations. I mean, Ring of Honor really kind of coming into its own with AEW just starting last week. You know, I think that's all that, that's going to benefit wrestling immensely with, with more competition out there. I think that, you know, I think Mick Foley said it best. I mean, you don't run as fast if nobody's chasing you. Right. So I hate the term bucket list, but I'll use it. Is, is a WrestleMania like on your list of things to do? Um, I, I'd certainly like to do it if, if the opportunity presented itself. I think that'd be a lot of, uh, a lot of fun to do. Absolutely. Yeah. If I could do anything, I mean, I'd probably go back and watch like, you know, one of the old ones. I mean, I'd love to, I would have loved to have yeah. been in the Pontiac Silverdome in 87 when Andre and Hogan, you know, faced oh, off. Come you on. Know, one of those 93,123 people. <laughs> So do you still have your collection of magazines and oh, I do. VCR and I betas? I do, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. And I've got a whole bunch of, uh, anyway, uh, when, I was a, when I was a teenager, and then continuing to this very day, I made many contacts in the tape trading community and, you know, wow. gained, you know, scores of... Uh, so again, for folks of a different generation, this is pre-internet, Sean, here, yeah, and yeah. Jerry and Patty, you, you had to trade tapes. yeah. Yeah, so and go to the know. Nelson Post Office in the hopes that the mail. That's it. Wow. And hope the guy that, that you know that you traded with didn't just you know take your tape. And- did you ever get stung? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, for sure I did. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then I bought a lot of uh, you know from guys all over the place. And then I I've still have, there's a gentleman in uh, in England that I work with now uh, that you know provides me with with stuff every now and then. That's it. But they, nowadays they've they've incorporated uh, women to a great extent oh, that they never did absolutely. before. I mean, before it used to be like uh, Elizabeth uh, came in on Randy's arm, and then China was around for the for the DX uh, generation, and and uh, Trish Stratus was around, but they never did wrestle much. And even with uh, remember Sable and all that, but sure. they didn't wrestle much. Mm-hmm. Now they've got some tremendous women athletes that that put on a good show, and and sometimes. Back in the day, let's say the 90s again, if there was a woman's bout, they weren't as coordinated no. and maybe not as, as uh, athletic as, uh, as they are now. But they do. The, the women now put on a, a, a tremendous show in regards to wrestling. And, the, and well, what was it? Didn't they have a women main event? They just main evented WrestleMania. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They had a woman that's main it. event, right. And so that's how far they've come. But they've been... They've been Tremendous characters and or athletes that really do uh, have the art of wrestling down. No question. All right. Context. Regale us on the uh, main event. So the main event that just happened? Yes. Uh, so Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, That's and your girl, Ronda Be- Rousey. Oh, no, yeah. not Becky Lynch. I'm thinking of uh, who's the girl from England that we want to see the movie? Oh, my God. Have you seen that movie? Hang on here. Finish that one okay, first. Okay, sorry. So anyway, yeah. So I mean, this is... Uh, is this she a Lynch is... from Nelson or no? No, 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 no. I'd have been there if it had been... 
<laughs> That's it. Yeah, exactly. Have you <laughs> have you seen this movie uh, with The Rock in it, uh, fighting for the family or fighting for my family? Um, no, I haven't. But I've 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 seen the previews for it. Oh. I mean, it looks it's like it's out on be... DVD now. They say. Well, I, okay. Wow. Yeah, yes. I have a little streaming system that it's on there. Ryan Summers, another uh, wrestling fan, uh, got got into my head. But listen, he and I uh, we we dove down that rabbit hole of. Um, what was the one? Spit or split? Excuse me, split. And then we had to go see the trilogy uh, with glass. glass. Yeah. So we're there. So there's a preview. Shoulder to shoulder. We're there on a Tuesday night. No, no, there was a buffer. <laughs> we're shoulder to shoulder. We put a chair in between us. Sorry. There was a buffer. Yeah, that we put a chair in between us. So sorry. Wow. That's <laughs> you escalated <laughs> the, on me there. So, anyways, you know, you see one trailer, two trailer, three tra- trailer, Sean, and then all of a sudden this one comes up, and you hear the distinct ding ding of the bell, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And then it comes on, and that line when The Rock says, <laughs> and, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I may trip all over myself here, but uh, she's you know trying to get to where she wants to go, and The Rock's imparting his sage like wisdom, and he says, "Don't try and be the next me; be the first you." And I'm telling you, Sean. An ear pissed my pants and came right out of the seat at Cineplex. <laughs> like I went full Rocky. Like I, you remember when you saw Rocky in the theater? You you thought you could kick the shit out of anyone in the parking lot. <laughs> I just I came right up and I had my hands in the popcorn. I'm like, oh my god, that's the best line ever. But yes, I still haven't seen it. Shame no, on me. I know. So we gotta. Well, all right, main event. Yeah, so the main event the other night with Lynch, uh, the lady. Yeah, so event. I mean that was the. Uh, uh, I say the other night. Okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, so last so, WrestleMania. Last WrestleMania. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, I mean it's the culmination of a long story that I think started the SummerSlam of last year, where you know Becky had kind of had sort of they attempted to do kind of a heel turn with her, but it didn't it didn't take. Everybody really liked her so well that you know she yeah, and I mean it was a, really. Uh, you know, over the course of several months, I mean, she became the biggest star in the whole company. Yeah. And I mean, again, it was, I think it's a great thing, like Jerry says, I mean, for, for women's wrestling, because I mean, for so long, I mean, they, they were relegated to an inferior position. They were so long, you know, they weren't, they weren't allowed to perform or they were only allowed to perform it within some pretty narrow confines. Yeah. And to go from that in a number, really in just in the last five or six years, you know, to go from that to, you know, really performing, you know, at or above, you know, anybody else on the roster. I mean, it's really quite something. And so for Becky to kind of win it at WrestleMania, although the apparently the finish was a was a little wonky, but you know, that's sometimes that has, that that's how it goes. You mean it didn't it, wonky in regards to the physicality of it? Yeah, no, like the uh, coordination. Think, yeah, basically, I mean, the orchestration. Uh, they uh, Becky rolled her up, uh, rolled Ronda Rousey up, uh, Ronda. Put her, took her shoulder off the mat, you know, too quickly, uh, and you know, kind of, yeah. But the, anyway, the internet blows up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think storylines and and character uh, trajectories aside, I think the three that I've uh, admired the most in person, and I went to a few with my young lad uh, down in the Monte Coliseum. Um, Ray Mysterio was super athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what he's doing now, but at the time he was um, from Jamaica. They built him as Kofi Kingston when he was starting out. He's the world champion now. Okay, yeah. some of the stuff he was doing in those days at the Monte Carlo scene was so athletic, and the mm-hmm. height he was getting, and the, the way he moved, and um, oh shit, Sean, bail me out here. The the smaller of the two Hardy boys, Matt. Yes, unbelievable. He was so athletic, and he loved that top rope. You know, no, it was the other one. So Jeff's Jeff Jeff did more of the high. Okay, yeah, so high it was Jeff. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Okay, he yeah. had Sorry. no fear. He yeah. had no fear. That's yeah, it, that's some it. of the stuff you yeah. do, you yeah. just kind of sitting there. Yeah. Again, as an adult with your kid and some of the neighborhood kids with you, you're like, oh my god, don't do that, don't do that, right? But you want to see how it ends, right? And just like I remember years ago being at the Renews. Um, no, I'm lying to you. It was Sunny Corner Arena. 
Um, and I think it was Atlanta Grand Prix when they tried to rekindle that fire, and there there was a miss. Uh, Spider Man, uh, a guy billed as Spider Man, was fighting. Let's say Jerry Green, because I forget who it was, but there was a miss, hmm. and this guy flew out of the ring and landed square on his back on the cement floor of the Sunny Corner Arena, right at my feet. And you're just kind of like, oh, like <laughs> that, you know, that, that hurt. <laughs> That's gonna leave a mark. But yet again, the show rolls on, and the guy gets up and shrugs her off. He's writhing in pain. There's no question about mm-hmm. it. But hey, there's 300 people watching, and yeah, you can't go. Hey, time out here. You know for what sure, I mean? For sure. For sure. Well, it's also fun to see. And again, I'm not following as closely as I do, but I know that uh, Ric Flair's daughter Charlotte is is really uh, quite a force on the women's side, and she's she's uh, uh, quite a figure. I mean, she's quite a uh, the stature. I mean, she's oh, a big sure. woman that uh, moves yeah. very well and yeah. is a big part of the woman's side too. But I like the fact that that Flair is still involved. Yeah, you know, and she does the same woo that he used to do, and and that uh, that kind of tradition really puts a you know tingle down your spine. Well, now do you owe a little bit to uh, Ric Flair for the Wildcats woo? Because I liked them, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I had to find somewhere to use it. Thanks to the gang at LJ Patterson Sales, New Brunswick's largest selection of trailers and the best deals. Check them out online at ljpattersonsales.com. Listen, we got a history lesson on Bow Bears Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went through the New Brunswick Senior Baseball League. A little uh, you memorial, have notes for the first time. A little Memorial Cup action. Uh, Leafs, uh, excuse me, Leafs and Bruins, uh, Blues and uh, Bruins, <laughs> they Raptors. Only wish. Well, we touch yeah. on the Miramichi Timberwolves. Sean is an original, of course, dating back to uh, year number one. He was the original merchandise salesman. Did you know that? Yes. No, I did not. No. And his uh, brother Thomas was on the sticks and pucks and water. Yes. And Tim's uh, in the boardroom. So well, it was a family Tim's affair. still there. An all-encompassing uh, episode this time. We wrapped up with a little WWE, a little WWF. And, boys, I, uh, I'm going to take a back seat. The AWA, refresh me. AWA. Yep. American <laughs> Wrestling Association. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll leave it there for now. Yes. Thank you, Jerry. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you, John. Oh, thank you, Patty.